the Lord speaking this into my heart uh, I thought okay this is the time to start the series and it's called ancient words for a new day and we're looking particularly at passages from the Old Testament that the Lord is using to speak to us today particularly as we enter into this uh, I don't want to say a post-COVID or a post-pandemic environment because we're not post the pandemic by any stretch of the imagination, but we do realize that we're starting to emerge into a, a new time, a new season, particularly in our nation. I know various nations are dealing with this differently. So I think the Lord has a lot of things to say to us uh, through various passages in the Old Testament, uh, most often linked with some things in the new as we do today. But uh, that's what we're starting out here. And uh, so we're going to read these two passages. Before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I do thank you that it is trustworthy and true, that as we come to your word, we know that you speak to us through it. And I pray that you do so today in the power of your Holy Spirit. Let your spirit rest upon me, keep my voice strong, and let me bring your word to your people today, boldly through Jesus Christ our Lord. For we pray this in his name. Amen. In Isaiah uh, chapter 30, we begin with verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on the hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord God, the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And then over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, another very famous passage. We begin with verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. 
Well, isn't it such a, a glorious, sunshiny, beautiful day, probably in the Caribbean somewhere. Uh, but uh, here in London, it's been kind of crazy weather, hasn't it? And uh, uh, sunshine interposed with rainfall. And uh, yesterday, it was a bit like today, uh, and, uh, and I was uh, up in, uh, in, our, in our bedroom. We've got a new chair up there, which I used to pray in. Uh, so I split my prayer time between the uh, bedroom and my office down, downstairs. And I was praying, and uh, there was a massive downpour that was coming. And I experienced probably one of the most extended times of hearing from the Lord that I've had for over a year. Uh, in fact, I'm really excited about sharing some of the things that I feel like the Lord was revealing to me to you, but I'm not going to do most of that today. So there'll be some of it I'm going to do in September at uh, when we resume uh, the coal hop Thursday night meetings, uh, because for at least a month, I believe the Lord is going to give prophetic words for each one of those meetings, and I think he's already started to do that with some of the things that I was hearing. And I, and I really couldn't believe it and how long it kept going on. And, uh, I, and toward the end of this whole time, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said, uh, Rod, you've received this word because you have rested. You have received this word because you've rested. Uh, and you, you might think, you know, after being in the hospital for 71 days, uh, and then uh, recovering at home for several months and still not being 100%, you know, you think, uh, I've rested enough. In fact, I've been thinking, you know, I've rested enough. I want to get back into it. Uh, you know, I want to jump back in. I don't like to, to sit still. I don't like to sit around at all. And, uh, and I, I've just wanted to do more and do more. And the Lord has just really, literally the last several months has said, do less. And, I, and it, it really goes against everything in me to do that. But I sought to listen to the Lord, and he just has kept saying, rest and rest. And, and I really thought that what the Lord was saying all that time was get a little bit more sleep, uh, get a little bit more rest, because your body needs to recover. And he might have been saying that a little bit, but, uh, but I don't think that that's actually what he was saying primarily. Uh, and then in the course of all of this, I felt like he said that the word for tomorrow is rest. Because, uh, you know, I was really struggling to know what the Lord wanted to say today. And I have, I have this thing, you know, that I always listen for the Lord. And, uh, uh, and if the Lord doesn't speak to me, I won't speak to you. And I always promised you that. And thankfully, the Lord has not tested that very often. But there was one time he tested it. I remember I got up and I, I had a text of scripture to read, but I had no idea what the Lord wanted to say. Uh, this is on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not one of these guys, you know, that goes by the seat of his trousers either. Uh, there's a great story about Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther decided one Sunday he'd just get up. Don't know if it's true or not, but he'd just get up, read the scripture, and then say whatever the Lord said, told him to say. And so that Sunday, he hadn't prepared anything, got up, read the scripture, said, Lord, what do you want me to say? And the Lord said, Luther, you're lazy. 
Well, that's true, and I'm not that kind. But I know that one Sunday, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to read this text. And you don't tell me what to say. That's it. I'm going to tell people I don't have anything. And, and lo and behold, God gave me something. But thankfully, I mean, that's only happened like once or twice in 30-plus years. So I feel okay uh, with that. But it's, you know, sometimes it's a challenge. But that's the word for us. And you remember I said a couple of weeks ago at the AGM, that the Lord was telling us, was speaking to us, rest for the month of August. It's a very important word for us right now. It's a very important word for us as we are coming out, in a sense, of the intense COVID situation that we've been in. It's an important word for you personally, this word rest. And a lot of people talk about rest. You know, for more than 20 years, I've heard ministers say things like, well, we have to minister out of a place of rest. And you know, in all those years, I've never heard a minister tell me what that means. It really drives you crazy. You listen to it. If you ever hear a message on this, you listen to the message and you see if, if they ever explain to you what it means. Now, I'm going to tell you what it means today, and it doesn't mean what most people think it means. But you hear that all the time, and it is true. Jesus was somebody who did his whole ministry from a place of rest. But we don't know what that means. Sometimes, you know, we think that it's, it's just about taking the Sabbath. And certainly, the Sabbath had a lot to do with rest, but that's not the fullness of the concept of rest biblically. So we need this idea of rest. God is calling us to rest, and I believe firmly that we can learn how to rest and how to live from a place of rest. Because right now, we as Christians, we are in a world that is filled with a lot of chaos. It's filled with a lot of craziness. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's not the end times, by the way, but it's paving the way for them. And we, as a people, as Christians, must learn how to rest and how to live from a place of rest. But how do you do that? How do you do that? I'd like to suggest some things. First, we must receive the revelation of rest through Jesus. Rest is not something that we just come up with on our own as Christians. We need a revelation of rest, and you will never understand rest unless you receive it as children. You know, it's like Jesus said there in that passage we read. He said, thank you, Father, that you've hidden this from wise people and understanding people and revealed it to little children. And that's the way rest is. It's something that God reveals to us. But you've got to be like a child because in some respects it's counterintuitive. Now, rest can involve taking a break or having a sleep or going on holiday but genuine rest is much more than these and, and similar things. In fact, you can take a break, 
you can have a sleep and you can go on holiday and never rest. I don't know about you, but there have been some holidays I've come back from and I've been more exhausted than I went when I went in the first place. Because I wasn't resting. I wasn't resting. Now that doesn't mean uh, at the same time you can go on the holiday and sit on the beach the whole time. That's not resting either. That's not resting either. Rest is not the absence of activity, but rest involves purposeful activity. Rest is about purpose-filled activity. For example, take the Sabbath. Now the people that I know the best that honor the Sabbath are our friends up on the Isle of Lewis. Now part of that is because the island kind of forces you to do that because everything's closed on, on Sundays. And the expectation is that people will observe the Sabbath. I mean, on a Sunday, you do not want to be seen doing laundry. Nobody hangs out their clothes on a Sunday. It used to be that in the playgrounds, they would chain the swings so that the kids couldn't swing on the swings and play in the playground. Now, they don't quite do that anymore, but, uh, but they, they used to be very zealous about that. But, you know, at the same time, I was always a bit confused because... These same people that wouldn't do their laundry, I mean, uh, our friends, I mean, she would work hard preparing a nice meal. She'd have a big meal for us uh, after church, and then we would hang out with our friends until the evening. We might take a walk, and then uh, we'd go to evening service, and then after evening service, we'd come back to the house and have some more snacks and things and have another time of prayer. And I'm thinking, golly, for being a Sabbath day, we're certainly doing a lot of stuff. But it wasn't about not doing stuff. It was about choosing what we did and make sure that everything we did was purpose-filled and focused and God-honoring. And so rest involves activity, but it's purpose-filled activity. Frankly, a lot of times what happens to us is we try to fill up every moment just doing stuff and sometimes doing random stuff that really doesn't make any difference whatsoever. We exhaust ourselves, and that's not rest. Rest in its heart is the absence of striving. It's the absence of striving. It's not the absence of working. Do you understand the difference between working and striving? Striving is where you push and 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 you just reach out and you try to grab it and you, and you just go and go and go. I mean, you never know if you're going to get there or, or what. Work is where you focus your activity and you do what you can do and you understand your limitations. So rest, as you know, is the absence of striving especially striving for things you already have. A lot of people, I see a lot of Christians striving all the time. I want to know who I am. I want to know who I am. Well, I can tell you who you are. And I'm going to have some comments about that in a moment. Now, this is why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is basically saying, stop striving. 
Connect yourself to me, because if you're connected to me, if you are yoked to me, you won't strive. In fact, if you try to strive and you're in a yoke, all you do is wear yourself out. But if you're in a yoke, if you happen to be an ox, and thankfully no oxes are here, uh, because they make messes, you know, that you have to clear up, but that's another story. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're an ox and you're yoked together with another ox, you accomplish more. And Jesus is saying, if you stop striving and you yoke yourself together with me, you can accomplish more. You can learn how to rest. Rest ultimately is having your sense of well-being, contentment, and security in God by faith. That's where you know, you know, your own sense of who you are, your well-being, that, hey, I'm okay. I remember a time, I was going through a really awful time in my last church, this a lot of years ago, thankfully, and I was at a conference, and, uh, and I didn't know if I was going to see my way out of this difficult time. It was pretty dark and, and pretty messy, and uh, so I was at this conference, and I was kind of sitting alone in the, in the corner, and uh, the conference leader came up to me, and he had this concerned look on his face, said, you know, Rod, are you Okay. And I thought, yeah, I'm okay. And I thought, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. In that moment, I realized that the stuff that I was going through did not diminish who I was one little bit. Because I had my well-being in God by faith. And I'm content with my life in God by faith. And that's what rest is all about. And we need this revelation of rest in your life. You need to understand what it is and believe it and embrace it. Because if you don't, you'll never live out of it. You'll never live from that place of rest, which you desperately need to do. So we need the revelation of rest through Jesus. We need to receive that. We also need to receive the relationship of rest through Jesus. As we've already talked about, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Be yoked with me. That's a relationship that we have by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That connection with Jesus Christ. And this means that first, we need to rest in who we are in Christ. In Christ Jesus, you're not some miserable sinner just barely scraping into the glory of heaven. In Christ Jesus, you are a saint. In Christ Jesus, you are a holy one. In Christ Jesus, you are an adopted child of God. And nothing going on in your life changes that. Nothing going on in the world changes that. No amount of COVID or laryngitis like I'm dealing with changes the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ. But not only this, if you're resting in who you are in Christ, you need to be resting in who God has made you to be. Golly, how much time do we waste thinking, oh, I want to accomplish more with my life. Oh, I want to get this done. Oh, I'd like to be like Elon Musk, or uh, I'd like to be like... Uh, uh, Branson 
you know, uh, or Bezos jumping out into space or whatever. And that's not who God's made you to be. And we spend so much time hating ourselves and resisting ourselves that we never really learn how to be ourselves. And you will not rest until you rest in who you are in God, who God has made you to be. If you're an introvert, then rest in that. Don't try to be an extrovert. And if you're an extrovert, don't try to be an introvert. You need to understand how God has made you, how God has fashioned you, how God has formed you, and accept that and rest in that reality because that's who you are in Christ Jesus. And what Jesus does when we are yoked together with him, he brings out the best in us. He brings out the best of what God has created us to be. He brings out the best of what God has created us to do. As long as we are yoked with him and remain yoked with him in this relationship. We also, in this relationship of rest that we're receiving through Jesus, we must rest in who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is God and you're not, right? We all know that. I love this quote from Samuel Rutherford, the great Scottish preacher. Of course, Scotland would have to feature in here. He says, my faith rests on the bed of God's sovereignty. In other words, I am resting because God's in control. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. And I rest in that reality. There have been so many times in my life, and boy, it would take me hours just to, to tell you even a portion of the stories. So many times in my life when the sovereignty of God has brought things together in ways that I never could have created on my own. And for example, many of you know Amy that, that comes to church. She's with her family now, but she lives with us during the year to go to university. I mean, that connection, that friendship came by the sovereignty of God. The whole connection that I have in Lewis came by the sovereignty of God. The fact that I'm here came by the sovereignty of God. None of these things are things that I could have made happen. And so I have learned not to trust the junk going on around me, but to trust in God's sovereignty, to rest in God's sovereignty. And not only is God sovereign, but he's, I love this word, immutable. It's a great word. It means he doesn't change. God does not change, and God is all-loving, and God is gracious. And so these characteristics do not change. And if we are going to rest in this relationship, not only do we need to know who we are in Christ, but we need to rest in who God is, especially in who God is. And as we rest in this relationship, it also causes us to rest in our eternal destiny. You know what? Nothing in this world is your destiny. There's not a single thing. I would love City Temple to grow and become 
a huge church. We've got a huge influence. I would like to, you know, have four, five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand or so people coming in. That would be really a lot of fun. Be a lot of headaches too, but it'd be a lot of fun. You know, I'd love to have that. But you know what? My destiny doesn't depend on that. And because my destiny doesn't depend on that, I'm not going to sweat how big or how small we become. Hopefully there'll always be at least one more than me, and I know that there will be because Karen's married to me. So, well, well you know, she's kind of required. Uh, so that kind of guarantees a certain size of church, right? But, uh, and Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together, there he is in their midst, right? It's not an issue because it's not about my destiny. There is nothing in this world that is my destiny. There is nothing. Whether you succeed at a job or you fail at a job, it's not your destiny. Whether your kids grow up to be multimillionaires or they grow up and, and well, hopefully not on you know, skid row or but, you know, homeless or whatever, but that's not your destiny. Nothing in this world is your destiny. You will not miss your destiny in Jesus. Nothing can cause you to miss it. You could really mess up. You're not going to miss your destiny. Because God's got you. That's why you got to trust in the Lord. You know, it's about resting who God is. Rest in your eternal destiny. Your place is fixed in the new heavens and the new earth. This life is about preparing you to serve the best way you can and to experience the fullness of that life fully prepared for it. It's kind of an apprenticeship for real life when it comes. So we have to receive the revelation of rest. We also need to receive the relationship of rest with God. And then, if I was really clever here, I'd have another R, but I don't. We need to practice the disciplines of rest to experience the blessings of rest. It sounds a bit counterintuitive to our minds to think that there are disciplines involved in resting, but there certainly are. And Isaiah helpfully points them out. Actually, it's the Lord speaking through Isaiah that helpfully points out these disciplines. There's four of them. And there's two key blessings that are blessings we really need right now in the times that we're living in. The text says here, in returning and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust you will find strength. Now all of these, the four words here, are actually uh, like returning. Or re uh, it's, it's like uh, a part participial. It's ongoing. So it's returning, resting, quieting yourself, trusting. So let's look at the disciplines. What is it? First of all, he says, in returning, in returning. Now this is the basic word for repentance, but it literally means to turn from evil and to turn toward good. In other words, if we're going to really rest, we can't tolerate sin in our lives. 
You know where I said earlier that we have to accept who God has made us to be? That doesn't mean you accept the sin that's in your life. And too often in the world today, we conflate the two concepts. Oh, I know, I just, I just like to, I talk behind people's back, but that's just who I am. No, it's not, you're sinning. Sinning is not who you are, it's what you do. And so you cannot justify your weaknesses, you cannot justify your sinfulness by saying, well, this is who God made me to be, because it's not. Instead of trying to justify these things, you need to repent. And repentance, you say, God, I'm sorry, this is sin, I'm turning away from this, and I thank you for forgiving me through Jesus Christ. But returning is not just about turning away from sin, it's also getting back to basics. Getting back to basics. Now we can get really busy and start doing a lot of stuff and we can become like the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, hey guys, you're doing a lot of great work, you're doing a lot of great ministry, you got a lot of stuff going on, but you know something? I've got a problem with you. And that is, you've lost your first love. So why don't you go back and start doing the things that you did at first? It happens so often in marriages, you know. Couples stop dating. They stop getting away. You know, thankfully Karen and I got away for the first time in a while this week. You know, and we like to do that. We spend time together. You do the stuff that caused you to fall in love in the first place, and you keep doing it. And that's what returning means. It means getting back to those basics, the basics of worship and prayer, adoring Jesus, just loving Him and allowing Him to love on you. So we need to do returning is a discipline. It is not something that happens naturally. It's something that you must do and you must choose to do if you are going to enter rest. And you got to keep on doing it. None of these things are things you do once and, and it's done. you got to keep on. The second thing is resting. Slightly different word than the word used in the New Testament, outside of the fact the New Testament was Greek and this is Hebrew. So it's slightly different con concept. But resting here means being settled in a particular place. Being settled. Uh, an example for me would be, uh, I don't spend time thinking about where I'd like to go and be a pastor. You know? I don't do that. I'm settled here. I'm settled here. I'm, I'm resting here. I'm hanging out here, for better or for worse. For richer, for poorer, it's, it's here. And, uh, and so I'm not daydreaming, saying, oh God, wouldn't it be nice uh, to have a bunch of people that love me more or pay me more uh, or have more power or more gifts of the Spirit or whatever. You just don't do that because I rest here. Now God can move me when God wants to move me, but it's God that's going to do it. People are not going to do it. And that's the idea 
You need to be settled in the place where you found yourself, where God has called you, where God has placed you. When he moves you, he'll move you, and you'll know it. But choose to be at rest. It's not the absence of activity here, but it's the presence of security. And it's also refusing to strive after worldly things. You know, it's okay to have a car. It's okay to have a house. It's okay to have stuff. But so often, we put our hearts into striving after all of this, striving to accumulate, striving to acquire. And that's not resting. You can't be settled. You can't be settled. Sorry about that. So the promise is, if we practice returning and resting, then we will receive the blessing, a blessing of rest, which is being saved in this case. Now being saved here is not referring to eternal salvation. Being saved here is being delivered from your enemies, delivered from catastrophes, and moved to a wide place, a place of security. And so because I practice repentance, because I've been resting in this settled place, the Lord has delivered me out of the, the ravages of the COVID and its consequences that I experienced. That experience of salvation, that blessing came as people prayed for me, of course. But this is also an outworking of that grace. There is a blessing that happens so often we get in places where we feel like we're in the midst of a battle, we're in the midst of a conflict, and it causes us to, to feel all anxious and, and get all upset and, and, and begin to stop returning and resting. And when we do that, we prevent ourselves from getting delivered from our enemies and catastrophes and being moved into a wide place, which is a place of thriving and security. Hope that makes sense. So we return, returning, resting, and then there's two more disciplines, quieting and trusting. Now quieting ourselves means coming to a place of tranquility. Coming to a place where we feel, ah, I'm going to be at peace here. Now to do this, we have to resist. We have to resist striving. We have to resist fear. And we have to resist anxiety. So the next time you're tempted, you say, you know, I just need to go online and buy lots more stuff. Stop it. Close the computer. Set it aside. Not that it's wrong to get something but resist that urge and say, you know, thank you, God, for what I have. Thank you for who, who I am, where I am. Thank you for what you provided for me. Now you might need more, that's okay, but you thank God for what you have. So you resist that anxiety that comes over. You can do that. You can do that as you pray. 
You resist anxiety. And you make sure that you don't try to live out of the anxiety. You know, for example, the more anxious you feel that you need to do something, the less you probably need to do it. So if you find yourself, oh, I got to do this, I got I to take care of this, I got to take care of this, oh, I got to take care of this, I got to take care of this, it probably is something that you don't really need to take care of right away. Unless, of course, you've been sinning and neglecting doing something that was important. You know, like paying your income tax or something like that. But if you start feeling anxious that, oh, I've got to do this, or you start feeling anxious that somebody else has to do something, then you lose your tranquility. It's one of the things that's happened, you know, with the building development. You know, it's very tempting for me to feel quite anxious that the developer needs to act, they need to do something. But, you know, I've discovered the more anxiety I feel, the less they are inclined to do anything. So I need to step out of that anxiety, resist it, so I can come to a place where I can hear the Lord and what the Lord is saying. So we have to quiet ourselves, come into a place of tranquility, and then trusting, trusting. And here, trusting is not just faith, as we talk about, but trusting is placing your confidence in something or someone which will lead to a place of well-being and security. If you don't have a sense of security, if you're not living out of a place of well-being in your life, you need to ask yourself, what am I trusting in? Because most of the time, when we feel like we're out of our sense of well-being, or, or we're out of, we just feel so insecure and vulnerable, it's because we're trusting in the wrong things. And that can be such a clear indicator to us that we need to start trusting God. Get our focus in on the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who gives us our security. Our security, our significance, our acceptance, they all come from God through Jesus Christ. He gives us those things. And the promise is, as we practice the discipline of quieting ourselves and of trusting, then we will find the second blessing, the blessing of strength, which again is a blessing of rest, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of strength. They're both blessings of rest. And strength here is the strength and vitality of a successful warrior during the battle. You see here, rest in this situation is not about the absence of activity. It's not even about the absence of conflict. It's knowing the strength that you have. It's knowing the security you have. It's knowing the significance you have in God while you're in the midst of the conflict that is raging in your life or the stress that you're going through. Now, a lot of times I, I talk with Christians who get so afraid of the demonic. You know, especially they'll talk about demons and things like that. And, uh, 
And, and they just go kind of crazy sometimes. And it's like, oh, you know, we couldn't go into that place because there was a Buddha sitting on the table. Come on, get real. Just bind it in the name of Jesus and walk in. That's who you are. If you've got a reason to be there, they can't hurt you. You know, I'm not afraid of any demon. Now, it's not because I'm a great guy. It's not because I'm a strong guy. It's not because I have a lot of power. It's because I know my dad is standing behind me and he happens to be the sovereign Lord of the universe. And I know that my elder brother is standing beside me and he happens to be the Savior who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who ascended into the heavens. And I happen to know that God, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of me and has made me alive in Christ and has seated me by the will of the Father together with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So I'm not afraid because of who I am. I'm not afraid because of who God is. And that's the blessing of quieting yourself and trusting in the Lord. You find this strength to face almost any situation that you're going to face in your lives. And we can speak from experience. You know it, you see it. We need to be people of rest. Because when we're a people of rest, we corporately experience this salvation. We corporately experience the strength of God. And I believe that a group of people who are living out of rest, who are resting in concert with one another, produces spiritual vibrations, if you will, that resonate across the globe and shake the world. It's from that place of rest that our prayers have the most impact. It's from our place of rest that our worship resounds most greatly to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's from that place of rest as we serve other people in our workplaces, in our communities, on the street, that our service has the deepest level of impact. And as we are doing that together, God works through it, because it's not us, it's God. God works through it by His grace and by His power to accomplish His will so that His kingdom comes and His will is done on this earth as it is in heaven. And that is the blessing. As we rest, we encounter the last part of that passage that we read where it says, the Lord is waiting to be gracious. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. The Lord will exalt himself to show mercy. Now, we can often think of this passage, and we'll think of it wrongly if we do, that here Israel had sinned because God said, you need to return, you need to rest, you need to quiet yourself, uh, and you need to trust, and they weren't doing it. And so consequently, you know, even a small army would cause them to flee, and even small problems would cause them to run away. That's what he's saying here. But the time is coming when that wasn't going to be the case. 
and the Lord is just waiting. He's going to wait to be gracious to us, wait to exalt himself to show mercy to us. Now the idea here that the Lord is waiting, think of it a bit like hide and seek. You know, when somebody is hiding, you're playing hide and seek with a kid. I just love that. It's the best. It really is the best. Especially when, well, it's good when the kids are hiding, but I also like it when they're seeking, you know. Because then you poise yourself and you get ready. Because you know any moment the child is going to come around and you'll go, oh, you got me. And you kind of scare the living daylights out of the child. You know, ah! And they laugh, you know. And it's so much fun to do that. Just love the look on their faces and everything. And that's, that's kind of the idea. God's saying, here, I'm waiting to be gracious to you, to show you favor. Come and seek me. Come like a child. Come and rest, because I'm waiting to show favor. And I'm going to exalt myself to show mercy all to the glory and honor of my son Jesus Christ. And if we're a people living in rest, God will show us his favor. God will grant us his mercy. And Jesus will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we honor you. We worship you and we adore you. I pray, Father, that you'd give us all this revelation of rest and ground us in the relationship of rest that you've already given us. And Father, help us to start implementing, practicing the disciplines of rest today, this week, so that we can be people who live out of this rest that comes through Jesus Christ. We love you and we worship you and we thank you and we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, my challenge for you this week is to start practicing these disciplines. Let's put it into place. You can remember it. Just four words. Returning, resting, 